should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, we read them so you don't have to, because we clearly didn't get enough attention as children. <laughs> my name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Ben, who doesn't really matter. Just pay attention to me. I'm the one you should listen to. Stop paying attention to him. Benedict, what's your favorite sausage on a bun? Oof. On a bun, which I Oof. feel like is an important distinction, because like Italian sausage... Not commonly eaten on a bun, whereas many other types of sausage. Uh, maybe most not in your household. Okay, look, you can do like a sausage and peppers and put it on a bun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Have but I mean, okay, I mean, like, I mean, like one whole sausage on a bun. That's what I, I, I mean. I don't think you can move to Chicago now. By the way, having just said you can't, <laughs> people don't put Italian. I'm not saying it's possible. Look, fine. If that's your answer, go for it with your fucking answer. No, 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 no. Bratwurst. Brat, I, yep. I, that I was gonna agree. I was gonna 100 percent agree. The only correct answer, I think. I don't know why it's just so good. And 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 here's the thing. I grew up in a household where the bratwurst of choice was the Johnsonville bratwurst. Mm, that means nothing to me, but I'm sure I, I'm, I'm, I'll have a package sent to your home for you to try. <laughs> <laughs> they taste nothing like other bratwurst. Like vaguely the spices, you can tell they're going mm. for it, but it is an incredibly good sausage. It's such a fucking good sausage. So the, the thing here in the UK, it's quite different because most of the time, if you buy sausages, you're buying raw sausages. Like mm-hmm. it's, they're not pre-cooked. Yeah, no, the, the Johnsonvilles are not cooked. Yeah. In the US, like most sausages you see in the supermarket are pre-cooked. What? In what are you way. talking yeah, about? Yeah. No. Where, if, where if are you shop? Them, okay. If I just remembered. Them, like, I just remembered you counter. shop primarily at Trader Joe's. I, I just remembered that. No, 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 everyone. <laughs> I, 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 literally, most places, the sausages are not pre-cooked. I, uh, yeah, that's Sorry, what I'm saying. Are pre, are no, I, I yeah. disagree. I don't know where you're talking about because Unless I you, know where I getting, go. If you don't get them from, like, the butcher's counter or, like, this is, like, the fresh meat section, most yeah. sausages that's, like, next to the packaged meat are pre-cooked sausages no in yeah. the meat section are mm-hmm. uncooked sausages you see if they're pre-cooked next time you go they see are if they've benedict. already been cooked i will guarantee you i we're, this is me we're talking about benedict uh-huh. i got about a hundred pounds on your ass and that's not because of a lack of eating I next know a I thing or two the, about next sausages. Next time I go to the supermarket, I'm taking a picture of the I sausage am, aisle. I am waving <laughs> a pen in my hand at you because you've angered me today. Okay. The, I, everyone, everyone tweet. Tweet, tweet or blue sky. Tweet or ski. Tweet or ski. Blue ski. Blue ski. <laughs> blue, oh, no. Is blue ski a Russian op? No. Um, send Kevin pictures of your sausage aisle if you live in the United States. And that is not a euphemism. <laughs> Although I would also like pictures of the sausage aisle. So, you know, go ahead and send them to me. Uh, Anyways, Benedict, uh, you probably know what it is we do here on this program. Uh, Other folks 
folks who only eat pre-cooked. Okay, I know they sell like breakfast. This is going to be the entire episode now. Just not nope. talking about sausages. They sell but like pre-cooked we seen breakfast sausages like this since the hot dog is the hot dog a sandwich. Episode. I have <laughs> never literally. And look, I, I I can think of maybe one brand, one brand which is like maybe it's like Adelaide or so. I don't remember what it is, but it's like there's a chicken. Uh, they do like a chicken sausage, like a chicken apple sausage. Those ones are pre-cooked. I don't buy those, and I don't know anybody who does buy those. Let I me... buy raw sausages, which are yeah, right next to those I at like the store. That. I like a raw sausage. There's just very little availability. I, that's because you don't grab the Johnsonvilles, which are raw, which are all raw. I have not once grabbed a Johnsonville. <laughs> <laughs> Folks who have never eaten a raw sausage. <laughs> a raw Johnson. <laughs> they might not know. What this is. is a silly episode. Come on, let's go. Let's it's go. about let's Ted Cruz. Come on, of course it's yeah, fucking that's silly. True. They... A raw Johnsonville sausage-looking <laughs> motherfucker if ever I saw one. Uh, they might not know what it is we do here on this program, or they might would say, this is the show where we go a deep, a deep, deep, deep to plumb the depths of right-wing thought by reviewing a chapter from work of conservative literature, and in between, taking a look at other examples of the right, doing their best to make America hate again. Start us off, Benedict. Do you have a hot take for us this week? Yeah, this is uh, from a conversation we were having off air. Um, and I think the inspiration I gave you. Yeah, it was. I don't think there's a single supergroup that has made better music than the original bands of the. Um, let me think of one real quick. Um, okay, w- I mean, like, okay, and I say this that, like that, the closest. Okay, I, here's the, the issue. Close, no, no, the reason the why they are that. supergroups is because the original was so great. So yeah, yeah that exactly. might be just be by definitionally it's but not going to happen. What's the point? Stop okay, it. just be good, be great, be S- live it. Soundgarden, okay, so, motherfucker. It's uh, well, okay, yeah, I like Soundgarden. Uh-huh. That's fine. But uh, do we define Soundgarden as a supergroup? Yes, it's it's literally a su- it's it's the supergroup of supergroups. It's one Is of it? the supergroups. It's like do you them mean, do you and mean audio, Do you mean audio slaves? I'm sorry. I, yeah. Fuck, I said, damn it. Why did I do that? <laughs> I know that. I fucking know that. Why did I so, say something so stupid? I, I, I love audio slave. Yeah. I don't think it's better than Rage or Soundgarden. I think you're probably right. But here's the thing is it's almost it's a separate, like but it's a separate thing. I don't know, man. I don't yeah. know. Because like the other examples I can think of off the top of my head are like Wings. Which, yeah. like, okay, Paul McCartney, you, you, we're not allowed to say that something was better than the Beatles. Even no. if something was better than the Beatles, we're not allowed to say it, right? But, like, who else is in Wings? Um, who else is in Wings? Uh, exactly. Um, it's not a supergroup if you can't no, name it, the other band. It absolutely is a su- It's Phil Collins. No, no, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure if, well, Phil Collins is in Wings, right? I have no idea. Well, now <laughs> I need to Google uh, the members of Wings so I can verify whether or not I was correct or not. Okay. <laughs> Wings. Paul, okay, Paul, okay, it is called Paul McCartney and Wings. It doesn't uh, bode well. <laughs> no, I was wrong, though. I was wrong. He's not in uh, No, none of the. Okay, Linda McCartney. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay, not exactly a supergroup. I need to think of more supergroups, though. Yeah. I don't know who qualifies as a supergroup. Well, but... it's two. It's it's the constituent members of any two or more successful right. bands. So, like Velvet Revolver is another one with. I um... have one. I have okay. one. Cream. Cream was a supergroup. Eric Clapton who... had done plenty of stuff before he was with Cream. Sure. Jack Bruce had had multiple bands. Ginger Baker. They came together, and Cream was one of the greatest uh, to ever be created. Yeah, and then later he did Blind Faith. I forget, he did fucking Blind Faith. 
Well, actually, you can't say Blind Faith was better than Clapton. Never mind. I take that off yeah. the air. Yes, okay. he does suck now, but, man, he's still a great musician. He's still yeah. one of the greatest of all time. But, does, again, does that count as a supergroup, or is that just, like, Eric Clapton joining your band? Like, uh, he, <laughs> he wasn't in a, you know, like, he was a solo artist before Cream, right? No, he was with, uh, I think, like, the Yardbirds. Derek uh, and the Dominoes, is that No, him? that came much later, because that's when okay. he did Layla. That was much, much later. Uh, anyways, Benedict, this is not the topic of the episode, no. but you've gotten me entirely distracted today. What would the supergroup of 2016 Republican candidates look like? Oh boy, really? If you had to, okay, let's let's okay. Really I, I'm, white. I'm invested into this now. Who's the, <laughs> who's the singer? Who's the sing? Okay, of candidates, the lead singer. So we need a, a guitar. A I mean, I, I think you got to say Donald Trump's the singer, right? Donald Trump Probably. is the front man. He's got to be. There's yeah. nobody else. Um, I want to say, and this is solely based on vibes, um, Ron Paul on bass. Um, I don't remember if he ran in 2016. No, Rand. Rand. Rand Rand Paul is for sure the bassist. Rand Paul is a fucking (laughs) bassist. Nobody nobody really gives a shit about him. He's kind of replaceable because, come on, he's not Les Claypool. And he just plays the same same rhythm no matter what the song is. (laughs) He doesn't actually know how to play bass. He just knows that nobody's really listening to the bass line. So as long as there's some thumping going on, it's all As long good. as he's there, people are like, yes. yeah, that seems normal. Yes. He's the first one to die of a heroin overdose. Uh- <laughs> okay. <laughs> Guitarist? Guitarist. Fuck. Um, it can't be Ted. Ted's not a no. guitarist. Ted's no, drummer. No. Ted's the drummer. Uh, no, that's the best Ted not, can do. He's not. He's not in good enough no. shape to be the drummer. Uh, then, then uh, I know what Ted is. Ted is the keyboardist. That's what Ted <laughs> is. Ted's the keyboardist. Um, and then who else was running in 2016? I'm I looking, can't even remember. I, uh, I've forgotten. What uh, were the other kid? Chris Christie. Chris Christie's my uh, uh, my guitarist man. Chris Christie on guitar. But in like a, he's no, from Chris New Chris Jersey. Chris, Come on. He, he, yeah, like like um, Van Sant, whatever his name is from the. <laughs> Ronnie Van Sant, yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's what that'll do. Or like, he could be the saxophonist. Honestly, (laughs) I feel like Chris Christie could be the saxophonist. He plays the saxaboom, the instrument that Jack Black plays at every Tenacious D concert. That's what he plays. He plays the saxophone. Uh, Benedict, we're wasting entirely too much time. No, I'm having this a great time. This isn't, this, isn't, uh, this isn't too much time. This is great. I mean, I'm not saying it's too much time, but it sort of is too much time. Uh, oh, my God. Scott Walker? Fuck. Oh, fuck. Scott Walker. Okay, Scott Walker is the guy who, like, if this was a punk band, he's the guy who just wanders around on stage and occasionally yells one word into a microphone. And other than yeah. that, like, falls down and collapses, and, and we all just... I, he's he's okay. He's doing his thing. He'll get back up in a minute. That's his version of dancing. Other people uh, that ran? Jeb Bush? Which uh, I forgot Je- about. Jeb... Jeb... No, Jeb is the Jeb, opener. Jeb is the Je- manager. Jeb, is, no, Jeb in the, no, is the manager. No, Jeb sure. is in the opening act who nobody cared about and nobody showed up for, which is why, at the end of his performance, he will say, please clap. That is who <laughs> Jeb is. <laughs> And then people we haven't mentioned, Marco Rubio, uh, uh, Ben Carson. Uh, what, what's uh, what, uh, what, the triangle? Plays the triangle. Sure. Yep. L- uh, lots of, John- lots of um, metal striking instruments in this John- band. <laughs> John Kasich. 
Who the fuck? I don't even remember who that is. I mean, I, I sort of do. He was the governor of Ohio at the time. Oh, or fuck. been recently. Uh, uh, and uh, then Mike, Mike Huckabee. Mike Huckabee, 100%. And this is actually, this is for real. Um, uh, one of the world's finest trumpeters. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. Glad. Glad <laughs> Are we done? Are we done yeah, with this I think now? So. Yeah, yeah. Can we, Sorry. Benedict? Can we do the show that we do Did now? Did you have a hot take? <laughs> As you... I don't know. I thought we'd just get on and riff for a while. Okay, uh, sure. My hot take this week, Benedict. Uh, Missouri's personal property tax is the most ridiculous <coughs> and bullshit regressive tax on the lower class I've ever encountered in my life. And I know you're saying to yourself, Kevin. What the fuck is a personal property tax? And that see, is the, the problem correct is, response. I see your tweets, and then I'm like, yeah, oh. I know this. And then I ha- find it difficult to engage in the show. I also so, think I might have complained about it to you last year off the air. Maybe. Yeah, probably. That sounds right. Anyway, personal property tax, that's where if you own property, which yeah. it's basically it's what we should do to billionaires, but Missouri does it yeah. to everyone. No, like, they, do it, they do it to everyone except billionaires, basically. Oh, cool. That's fine. There's all these exceptions in it for, for rich people stuff. But uh, mm, most of the time, it applies to, like, automobiles. That's, who, that's mm. what it applies to, is cars. And because Missouri doesn't invest a dime in public transportation, you have to have a fucking car to live in this state. I mean, longtime listeners will remember I moved out here without a car for the first... Two years I was here, I yeah, think. Yeah, it was a bad time. <clears throat> it didn't work out exactly great. I ended up giving in and buying a fucking hybrid because I'm like, I have to fucking drive. I have to get from point A to point B in this nightmare state. Uh, but yeah, it is. It, it's it's this fucked up thing where every year you pay a portion of what, and it's based off of the trade-in value of your car. Mm. And it's a fucked up system where, so it's based off of, one third of the value of that traded value is what's taxed and it's taxed at like 6.5% or something like that. So my car brand new, I don't remember. I want to say it sold for 30 grand brand new, my car trade in value. Who knows what it is now? It's like 25 grand or something. It's probably dropped a couple grand. So 30, uh, 33.3% of that gets taxed at 6%. For me, that comes in right around five to $600. That's Mm -hmm. the amount I have to pay every year. For the rich, presumably it decreases every year. A tiny bit, yeah. But the, the fucked up part, obviously, is that for the rich, that's no fucking problem. What this really does is spread the tax burden out among the lower classes. Because unlike with an income tax, where even in Missouri, it is at least somewhat progressive. Progressive by which I just mean the tax rate goes up the higher your income is. I don't mean mm-hmm. we have like a progressive system here. But... Uh, it is, this one is just pretty evenly spread among the lower classes. That's just the way it is. And it's fucked up. It's fucked up. Shouldn't be a case. But obviously, it's one of those things where the state likes to be able to say, because it's a Republican state, well, we have lower income taxes than all those blue states that are stealing your money. And then they don't point out this fucking regressive bullshit they tax everyone. Just tax me higher. I'm an attorney. Attorneys make decent money. I can afford it. Although the other problem is I don't want to give this shithole state any money they can spend on prosecuting people for trying to get abortions. But yeah, there's my rant for the day, Benedict. Sounds like, yeah, you're having a fun time in Missouri. I'm not happy with this state. Anyways, no. on to housekeeping this but week. But think how good it'll feel to vote against Josh Hawley and oh. not see that matter. But 
<laughs> that is true. Uh, rate and review us on the iTunes. Don't forget to do that and the other spots and places and things with the stars and the thumbs and the whatnots. Uh, follow us on the social medias at NYGBCPod and at NYGBCBen on Twitter and on Blue Sky. You can find us at NYGBCPod and at BenYGBC. Uh, updates. Just one update this week. Um, <clears throat> I was unaware because we had a little discussion about this last week. Army mm. Hammer. Army is short for Armand. That is oh. his first name. So he yeah, shares yeah. the first name of his grandfather. That's yeah. uh, It's the same name. Because I got interested as I was listening to the edit, um, and I went and Googled, oh, shit, he's also Armand Hammer. That's yeah. fun. That's that fun, fun stuff. And I also an maybe a cannibal. Yeah, go ahead. That, uh, yeah, also maybe a cannibal. Um, someone, or a couple of people actually, hit me up on Blue Sky for the budget of the little helicopter stuff. <laughs> Um, you sent that to me af- immediately after we got done recording last I week. Did. I did. You sent I, me I, that I, song. I was hoping you'd put it in the show notes. Uh, oh, well, I didn't think it was... Okay, I'll put it in this week's show notes. Anyway, Fine. the book that it's based on was written by Sarah Ferguson, Duchess of York, future <laughs> wife of Prince Andrew. What? I know. What is happening? I know. Sorry, future and future ex-wife Wait, of Prince which, Andrew also. Which one is the one that you really look like? Not that one. Okay. That's, okay. The, that's, okay. that's the... I love that I just got you to acknowledge you look so much like one of the royal family. I... It's scary. Sometimes like, people say I look like Prince William. You but, look just like him. Just um, like him. No, Prince Andrew is the diddler. Uh, <laughs> so not him, thankfully. Uh, I never remember which one of your f- magic family is which one. Who cares? Yeah. We anyway, had a war over this for a reason, Benedict. I was shocked to discover <laughs> that a member of the royal family had written Budgie the Little Helicopter. <laughs> Uh, but also delighted. So thank you for sharing that with me, <laughs> folks. I forget. Uh, I don't have the handles to hand, but we'll induct you into the New World Spooky World Order next week. Or yes. I'll try and find it now while we while we're, while we'll we're try and find that while I do our first two inductions this week. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, we have two new patrons to induct this week. Starting off with Eric the Baker. You are now part of our... New World Spooky World Order, bro. Thank you oh so very much. And of course, our other new patron this week, I need a little breaky from living through major world events. You are now part of our... New World Spooky World Order, bro. So, I have uh, Tinker's Dam. Tinker's Dam. You are now part... Long-time friend of the show. You are now part of our... New World Spooky World Order, bro. And uh, Duppy. Duppy? (laughs) D-U-P-P-I. That's just a funny name. Duppy... You are now part of our New World Spooky World Order, bro. Thank you all oh so very much. And of course, if you would like to join the Spooky World New World Order, bleh, you can tweet or post about the show on social media, recommending it to those and send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can and drop me a screenshot to let me know. Make a donation to a worthwhile charity, become a patron, or just get my attention with something good. With all that out of the way, Benedict, it is time to finally turn to a new topic for the core of the show i guess is what we call yeah, the book portion the, the the anchor of the show the, the anchor the nexus the the, yeah. the gimmick the gimmick of the show <laughs> the shtick <laughs> the thing people are bored of the <laughs> well i will okay we have heard your messages people we know that the josh hawley book was incredibly boring because we had to read the motherfucker. Yeah, we fucking know. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and Benedict has Benedict has acknowledged I full responsibility. I, 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 yeah, I'm, for choosing. I'm 
using a shit book. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm we're... absolving myself of all responsibility. <laughs> okay, pilot. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm washing my hands of picking books because clearly I'm bad at it. I'm just going to suggest weird MAGA romance novels in the future. <laughs> I would not be unhappy with you doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, as oh, fuck you magic house lady who just made noise out of nowhere uh but as everyone knows right our next book is unwoke by ted cruz and i like can we just like ruminate for a second over the stupidity of that title right it's yeah it's, we, we did this last week but nobody listened because it was a josh hawley book right so <laughs> it just means asleep that's all yeah. it is that's yeah, all it fucking is unwoke uh, yeah but because of course we're about to do a new author who we also never... sorry I can't see it without singing in my head. Unwoke your mind. I thought you were like, going to do unwoke my heart. I thought that yeah. was the one you were going to do. Well, I w- no, that's the song. But the, yeah, like, but that's I, the I line. The the unwoke my heart. That's what you do. You don't do the other part of the song. Come on. That's the lyric you go for. That's all I'm saying. I just changed the lyrics. Fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, also, we were talking about this. I don't know if we mentioned this on the air. What the fuck is up with the cover choice? Bad. It's a bad what? cover choice. And, and honestly, I don't know. Is that a... F- I'm looking at it right now. Is that a photo or an oil painting? Oh. What? Hold on. See, I honestly can't tell you. And there's no... I looked inside, like, the cover flap, uh, and it just says... Okay, no, never mind. It does say photo. Um, I read the one before it that said cover design by John Caruso. But it's it is weirdly, cover like... Photo caravaggian in a sense there's a there's a lot of chiaroscuro in the cover uh of like he's very well lit on one side and you got any other art words you want to talk about um no (laughs) modernism i'm I'm getting a certain sense of uh picasso's blue period Um, Ted Cruz is a Picasso drawing of a human being, that is for sure. But yeah, it's very weird. Um, I will post a photo of the book on Twitter and Blue Sky so people can see it, because I don't know if I've done that yet. I don't know if I've posted, here's the next book, and done that like I usually do. Um, but I will post that, you can see it. It's just a, it's a strange and ugly cover choice. It's very, It's like, weird that he said yes to it, you know? Like, yeah. It, that's odd. It's also an ugly- Weird olive tones. The olive tones and then the blue tones of the font is weirding me out. Like, it looks like a placeholder text. Yeah, and, like, the blue reflection off of his collar. Anyway, I could talk about this fucking cover for hours. Yep. This is weird. This is very fucking weird. I will post it on cover. Twitter so everyone can see it. And Blue Sky, you can check it out there. Uh, but obviously, because we're moving on to Ted, we have to give him his proper due with an introductory episode, like we've done for all of our authors so far. Uh, it does feel a little bit unnecessary with Ted because he feels like, to me, one of the most well-known figures of the American right. But well, did also... you know he has a podcast? <laughs> Benedict? I'm aware he has a podcast. <laughs> did you know that his podcast co-host once walked up to me in a bar and Everybody said, I have a podcast? This, yes. yes, Benedict, I am aware. I am aware. Very much aware. I have a podcast. You might have heard of, heard of me. Literal words Michael Knowles said to my To be fair, guests. I say that to everyone. <laughs> and then I don't tell them what the podcast is because I don't want them those, to know. Those words, sh- it should be like uh, the Fred Armisen, straight to jail. You, uh, straight to jail. 
say that, straight through jail. Uh, funny enough, jail. Uh, but so, yes, we have to talk about Ted. We have to go over him. And I think, you know, we, we do have a, an audience that is um, a significant portion not in the United States. Uh, so I think some of you might not have as much familiarity with Ted as we do, even though I think because of social media, American politics have been so uh, internationalized that maybe many of you already have a pretty good uh, understanding of him. But I have tentatively titled today's episode, Ted Cruz, The Eternal Cuck. Because as I was writing, we can't the episode, call it that. We cannot <laughs> call the episode that. Absolutely not. We are not calling the episode. Is Bentley? Are you not? Are you disallowing a I title am choice? I'm vetoing a title Look, choice. Yes. Usually, you don't hear the titles until I after know. I post then, the episode. This is why, because you know better. And, <laughs> I, I think what happens in your head is you have a you have a title that you want to do, and then in your head you self censor because you're like, no, Ben won't. I'm let like, me Benedict, do that. Benedict's gonna be mad if he sees that, and I don't want to <laughs> deal with him texting me, and be like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> oh, guess I'll come up with something else. Uh, I also <laughs> our texts have also become like the things you know better than to tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> so often I do like, I, I text you like, this is one of the funniest things I come up with over the last week, but I know you will be mad at me if I tweet it. I know you'll be mad at me if I tweet it because it's- So ooh, you're great. just looking for one-to-one validation that you would normally get from the masses. <laughs> exactly. That is exactly it. Uh, so fine. I will come up with another episode title. Uh, I actually think a lot of the world's problems would have been solved if you just put- donald trump in like a really engaging group chat <laughs> like if you had just taken away his twitter and was like hey just go talk to this group chat instead great i think he wouldn't have been Could have done a lot could have yep. really done a lot um but i do re- the, the title i suggested i think is accurate because as i was putting this episode together i did realize that everything and everyone ted has ever looked up to or worked with or tried to be involved with or loved either hates him or has just absolutely decimated him as a human being. So Mm -hmm. I do think it is a fairly accurate title. I will say that. Uh, And just as a sort of basic disclaimer, right? Every time we do an author intro episode, there's no way, it never is, that I can cover every last insane thing about our subject matter. So I'm, and obviously since we're doing his book, we'll be talking about him a lot. So if I left out your favorite Ted Cruz tidbit uh, on today's episode, uh, you can skeet it or tweet it at me. uh, And I'll make sure we bring it up during the book review uh, at some point. So, Benedict Raphael mm. Tedward Cruz. Uh, <laughs> it's not Tedward. <laughs> I really wish it was. I really wish no. it was. Raphael Edward Cruz uh, was born December 22nd, 1970 in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Gotcha, mm. Ted. Can't be president by your own fucking rules. Boom, bitch. <laughs> yeah. End thanks. of episode. See you later, folks. <laughs> Uh, it is, it is astounding, it is astonishing to me, right? Because there was like a tiny little bit during 2016 when he was running for president, there was like a tiny murmur of like, well, he can't be president because he's not a natural born citizen. That's obviously bullshit because his mother was an American citizen. He just happened to be born abroad. None of that shit matters. Uh, as was Obama, right? His fucking mother was an American citizen. But the fact that they played the whole birtherism bullshit for a number of years, it just it's just astonishing to me. It was so little uh, directed at Ted Cruz compared to the whole I, I birtherism mean, wasn't Obama bullshit. Obama also Obama. born in Hawaii. 
Also, yes, literally born on American soil. Yeah. So it didn't even have the additional complication. And also, here's another fun thing. I didn't put it in for the episode today, but Ted actually was a dual U.S.-Canadian citizen. Uh, until, like, he realized it sometime in the 2000s, I think maybe after he, he got into the Senate, and he went and renounced his Canadian citizenship. Mm. But he actually spent the majority of his life not realizing he was a dual American-Canadian citizen, which I did find very funny. Uh, as a dual citizen, citizenship <laughs> is very complicated. <laughs> yes, um, it can be. And it's just like, because, like, you know, you have to swear allegiance if you become a citizen and then you're like well just don't tell the other country (laughs) well they don't know what happened but then some countries like oh if we find out well you're in trouble and they're like well who's gonna tell you (laughs) the state department i guess i don't know uh but ted is the son of eleanor elizabeth wilson and Raphael cruz uh his mother eleanor was born in wilmington oh so he's a junior yeah uh yes he would be he, I, you know what? I don't know if how he, does it work with. Middle I don't names? know if he uses the junior. In well, his he's name. not Raphael Cruz. He uses Ted. So no, but his so, his like, real name is Raphael Cruz. That is his so he's, legal. He's Raphael Raphael Cruz Jr. But he wouldn't go Ted Cruz Jr. Right? He would be, but I don't know if it's like automatic that you get a junior added, or if it's like that's just a thing people do. do all calling three names themselves have junior. to be the same. Like, do you I have to know. be? Does it? Does his dad have to be Raphael Edward Cruz? I'm learning a lot of things on this episode. And that's what we're really for, here for, yeah. Benedict, is to learn. That's why we're here. But his mother was born in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, and I guess we're just going to hear sirens in the background now, which is always great. Uh, she got an undergraduate degree in mathematics from Rice University. Um, oh, that's a lot of sirens, I will say. It's, it's quite a bit of sirens. Uh, unfortunately, I live down the street from a firehouse, so occasionally um, this happens as we are recording. But I am committed to the bit and not editing this out, so I'm not gonna stop talking. Go on, you're good now. Go. Uh, so yeah, she got an undergraduate degree in math from Rice University, uh, or as you would say, maths. Mm-hmm. Um, his father, Raphael, is the son of a Canary Islander who immigrated to Cuba as a child. His dad immigrated there um, uh, when he was a child, uh, and Raphael was himself born in Cuba and raised there. Uh, mm-hmm. And in the fifties, the 1950s. Ted's father was, notoriously, this is well known, uh, beaten by agents of Fidel Castro for speaking out against the... Oh, wait, I misread that. He was beaten by uh, Batistas. Yep. Batistas, folks. Uh, I was going to say, for... 50s, not right. That's not the right timeline. Yep. <laughs> no, I did it that way because I find it funny. Ted has not hidden the reality of what happened with his dad in Cuba, but he oftentimes speaks about it in very vague ways that allow the listener to think what they want Make about inferences, it. yeah. Yes, that he was beaten by the regime in Cuba is like how mm-hmm. the, the way that Ted will put it. And people will, obviously, the people that Ted's talking to, take from that, oh, he was opposing the communists. No, as a matter of fact, Ted's dad was uh, a supporter of the revolution uh, and a supporter of Fidel Castro during the 1950s. Um, so very weird. Very, very weird. Uh, But he did, of course, obviously leave Texas uh, and uh, came in 1957 to attend UT Austin uh, and was granted political asylum. Again, one of many times we're we're just going to have to go like, yep, fucking hypocrisy. Your dad got political asylum and you just want to get rid of that for everyone else. I get it. Yep. Awesome. Mm, Thanks, Ted. Nothing else to talk about there other than that you're a fat fucking hypocrite, Ted. That's all we can say about it. 
but when Ted was born, his parents had actually been living in Calgary for a few years because they owned a seismic data processing company that worked for oil drilling companies. What um, a weird fucking background. Right? It's, I, I don't Wasn't know. Wasn't his dad a, like a preacher also? No. Like... Uh, he might have like some involvement with a church or some shit. Ted is definitely, he was brought up in a fundamentalist Christian uh, background. Like an evangelical fundamentalist Christian household. That is definitely what uh, they were into. Um, okay, his Wikipedia page says, is a Cuban-American evangelical preacher. I I mean, that might be what he's doing now, but okay. uh, back at this at time. At the time, okay, okay. Yes, yes. So, you know, uh, he's his dad's got to be, I would guess, in his 70s, right? 70s or 80s. So retired and maybe he just does preaching now as a thing. I don't know. Uh, but obviously back at the time, yeah, they had this firm that was doing this data processing for oil companies and all that. And obviously we know Ted loves oil. Uh, so maybe there's some connection from uh, way back in the day there. But about a year after Ted was born, his parents did get separated and his father moved down to Houston. Uh, but they did reconcile shortly after and then all of them moved down to Houston together, which is where Ted you know, spent uh, uh, a good portion of his life, uh, at least. <clears throat> well, I should say most of his life, right? He's in his 50s or whatever. Uh, but in Texas... Ted attended Autie International School in Houston before attending two different private schools, uh, Faith West Academy and Second Baptist High School, uh, the second of which is where he graduated from as valedictorian in 1988. And I've said it before, I'll say it again, valedictorians are where you get your psychopaths from. <laughs> uh, while in high school, Ted was part of a group called the Free Market Education Foundation, which... I cannot find any evidence that it still exists, that this organization is still in existence. When I try and search for it, I get, like, similar names, like uh, organizations that are obviously something different, but I don't know. Uh, but it has been written about. Uh, there's a 2012 uh, New Yorker article about Ted by Ryan Lizza, which reads, quote, Raphael made sure that his son entered politics from the opposite end of the political spectrum, being at that point Raphael had, you know, turned against uh, the revolution and was a solid, weird capitalist John Bircher type weirdo. Mm -hmm. uh, continuing, Ted became involved, er, sorry, in high school, Ted became involved with a group known as the Free Market Education Foundation, which introduced him to the writings of conservative, conservative economic philosophers such as Milton Friedman, Friedrich Hayek, Frederick Bastiat, and Ludwig von Mises. Why is there never anyone else apart from those four? <laughs> like, it's always well, like the fucking well yeah because that i mean that is the foundation of a certain brand of conservative economics yeah. right <laughs> that is the foundation of brain dead libertarianism uh trickle down reaganite economics that is where mm -hmm. that comes from uh because no one else has been dumb enough to actually try any of the stuff those four guys thought was a good <laughs> idea other than you know Javier Millet in, uh, in, in uh, <laughs> yeah, Argentina right example. now. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say pseudo-libertarians in the United States, but yes, then you come up with an actual other good example for me. You're uh, welcome. That's why I'm here. <laughs> it continues. Cruz traveled to Rotary and Kiwanis groups in Texas, as his father had a generation earlier. But instead of expounding on Castro, he competed against other teenagers in speech contests. The contestants delivered 20 minutes of memorized remarks about free market economics. He soon joined a spinoff group, the Constitutional Corroborators, and learned a monomic... I can never say this word. Monom... I 
I can't say it, Benedict. What is the word? Mnemonic. That's the word. Mnemonic device. I don't know why I couldn't get that out. Mnemonic device for memorizing an abbreviated version of the Constitution, which he and other club members would write out on easels for lunchtime crowds of Rotarians or local political groups around Texas. That's but, so late. That just that feeds so much into your thing of like Republicans don't want intelligence; they want no. fun facts. Yes, rote <laughs> memorization is yeah. the thing because yeah, it's about fun facts. Uh, that's it's every goddamn time. It's just weird how there's going to be a lot of things popping up in today's episode that we're going to say every goddamn time, yeah. every goddamn time. It's just always going to be that because Ted Cruz, boy, is he just every goddamn He's time. He's a walking every goddamn time. <laughs> <clears throat> it continues. Uh, by the time he graduated from high school, he had given several dozen speeches across the state. It was transformational, Cruz said. The two strongest influences on my life were that experience and the personal experience of my family's story and my father's flight from Cuba. Uh, so, yes, I did find that very interesting that he was a part of the weird, young, conservative, weirdo group. And also, we know those guys were just creeps, right? Those mm-hmm. are the guys nobody wanted to talk to at recess. Nobody let them play kickball. Yeah, look, if you're cool, you don't memorize the Constitution <laughs> as a teenager. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I would say that is true. I will also say, as a 32-year-old attorney, it is also the the uncool ones who have memorized the Constitution. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So after high school, uh, Ted, of course, attended Princeton University, where he was a creepy weirdo nobody liked. Um, and in a 2017 Daily Beast article by Patricia Murphy titled Ted Cruz at Princeton, <laughs> colon, this still makes me laugh. Creepy, sometimes well-liked, and exactly the same. Which just, ex- <laughs> fantastic title, for one thing. Fantastic. Never change, Ted. Never Daily change. Beast, Daily Beast has the best titles around. Like, I will, I, I hate the stupid jokey tabloid thing, but God, they do have the best titles around. They do, they do nail the headlines. You know, the New York Post, for all its flaws, does have <laughs> some good headlines, too. It's the one thing they invest money in is the headline writers. Exactly. Yeah. That's what really matters. Uh, But she spoke to several of his classmates for this article. Uh, And one of his college roommates, Craig Mazin, had some things to say. Uh, I do recommend reading the full article. It's linked in the show notes. By the way, it is wild to me that America makes 18-year-olds just share rooms in college. Is that not a thing in the UK? You get your own room? Yeah, yeah. Like This is the horniest you've ever been. Share your room with a stranger. (laughs) I mean... And we're all they're also not officially allowed to drink in the united states I know, right insane. which is also another level That's of insane. that but we get but yeah. in, in the uk you get your own room yeah boy um you, you just want to keep going about how much the uk's universities are better than here on I mean, practical they, they, reasons they, they, yeah. sim- they simply are we, so we talked no we've talked about how much it. better it sounds to me yeah uh but anyway so she spoke to craig mazin um and mazin had some interesting interesting things to say he said quote I remember very specifically that he had a book in Spanish, and the title was, Was Karl Marx a Satanist? And I thought, who is this person? (laughs) (laughs) That's as close as you could get to, and and I thought, what? (laughs) Uh, He continued, even in 1988, he was politically extreme. I can picture the cover of that, of just like Karl Marx with like very faint devil horns. (laughs) I want a copy of that book now. Okay, I really me, want a copy of that book. Fue Karl Marx un... Carry on. <laughs> You'll get it. But he continued, quote, Even in 1988, he was politically extreme in a way that was surprising to me. 
It was my distinct impression that Ted had nothing to learn from anyone else, said Eric Leitch, who lived in Butler College with Cruz. Leitch said he remembers Cruz as someone who wanted to argue over anything or nothing, just for the exercise of arguing. The only point of Ted talking to you was to convince you of the rightness of his views. Uh, in, and this, I'm still reading from the article, because this article is great. Again, it's linked in the show notes. In addition to Mazin and Leitch, several fellow classmates who asked that their names not be used described the young Cruz with words like abrasive, intense, strident, crank, and arrogant. Sounds, sounds like how people described Holly. So. <laughs> continues Benedict. Four independently offered the word creepy with some pointing to Cruz's habit of donning a paisley bathrobe and walking to the opposite end of their dorm's hallway where the female students lived. And this is a quote from one of the students, uh, or this is from Mazin, the roommate. I would end up fielding the girl's complaints. Could you please keep your roommate out of our hallway, Mazin mm. said. So yes, Ted Cruz, vile little creep his entire life, as it turns out. Uh, but, uh, have you found it? Have you found the pamphlet? I can yeah, see you're still I mean, looking for one, it. Yeah, I mean, there's one called Was Karl Marx a Satanist, but it seems to be in English, in which case he's just reading a translated Spanish <laughs> version for just pre pretension. Uh, the one I, I wouldn't found be surprised. is by Richard Wurmbrand, 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 something. Send me a thing of it. You know I'm going to research it later. You know I'm going to see yeah, if I can find Marx, it and read it. Marx and Satan. Awesome. Uh, but it seems to be it seems to be in English, so I don't know. So, Benedict, I mentioned Craig Mazin. Do you know that name? Uh, no. He is I, a I screenwriter. Say yes. He's a screenwriter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he wrote the Rocket Man movie, if you recall that. I remember that movie yeah, distinctly. I remember uh, that. Yep. Uh, and and I, apparently very few people remember that movie because I brought it up to several people asking if they remembered it. Nobody but me did. Uh, and he also, I th he wasn't the showrunner, but I think he was the lead writer on the Last of Us series for HBO. Oh, yeah. cool. Uh, Is that about his college experience with Ted Cruz and what it felt like? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there were some subtle jabs thrown in there because he's not a fan. He is definitely not a fan, right? Ted loves to get into Twitter spats with celebrities like Ron Perlman and shit, right? And yeah. uh, one time Ted did that with Ron Perlman uh, and uh, Craig Mazin quote tweeted him uh, and wrote in a very unsubtle way, quote, you're a United States Senator, Ted. Stop shitting out of your mouth and do your job with dignity. Oh, who am I kidding? You've been this pathetic since 1988, and you will remain this pathetic until you're gone. Uh, Benedict, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the episode, this entire episode is basically just going to be me reading quotes of people shitting on Ted, which cool. is a great way to do an episode. It's a great Honestly, way to do an episode. Honestly, I kind of aspire for someone to hate me that much to come up with something that 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 beautifully written to i thought you were gonna say i really wish someone from my youth would turn out to be a real big piece of shit so that i could yeah. write stuff like that oh about them. i'm sure they have i i have moved in some very privileged circles i think i think that there is no doubt that some motherfuckers yes. have, have had some, some friends of yours have spent time at pizza express we all get it uh <laughs> Privileged circles. Come on. We know what you're saying. Uh, but yes, at Princeton, uh, Ted was on the debate team, of course, which we all know is where all the totally not psychopathic weirdos go. Just yeah. normal people who think that being good at debate means you're the bestest boy. There's something like I think that about American debate teams, but mm -hmm. like for some reason in my head, English debate teams are well, absolutely fine. <laughs> my understanding is it is very different, is that in the UK, you don't do the speed talk and bullshit. 
Yeah. Is, or do the, they do it there? Yeah. No, we do parliamentary. We do parliamentary debate. So okay. Like, I mean, my only experience is like watching the Oxford Union uh, debates and stuff like that. Is that's like, is, how we that's, do it generally. Yeah. And in the U.S., it's just this weird speed talking bullshit thing that people do. I don't know if it was like that back in '88 when Ted was doing it, but I think I remember hearing like a story on NPR or something about it. And it like, yeah, it's been this way since like the seventies in the U S or something like that. Um, but it is weird. I, it, being good at debate does not mean you have good ideas. Obviously. No. Uh, I would say, you know, one of the people out there who is really good at the whole debate bro bullshit is like destiny. He's a mm-hmm. very good debater. He still has some really bad ideas. Yeah. Um, I do think people could learn by the way he argues. They could watch him and learn some things about, being correct mm-hmm. i don't think you should you know agree with his ideas because he's good at debating is the way i would put it is something like that and obviously yeah. i feel the same about ted uh but of course he graduated cum laude from princeton like the crazy little freak he is mm-hmm. um and then went on to attend harvard law school mm-hmm. which is not at all a cesspool of little princelings who make their living asking, do you know who my father is? Seems like a red flag, honestly. It is. Harvard Law is a red flag. Yes, I yeah. will say. Harvard Law is a red flag. Uh, he graduated magna cum laude from Harvard and served as a law clerk for J. Michael Luddig of the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals for, uh, I believe, he had two years there. Uh, J. Michael Luddig is interesting. He retired as a judge in 2006 and became in-house counsel for Boeing. But Benedict oh. Lud- <laughs> how's that going <laughs> let's just say he's busy these days yeah. uh i think he might be retired from boeing now I'm but sure ludding has had some other interesting clerks like john eastman aka the defendant if you're in fulton county georgia yep uh he was another john ludding kirk and another one of the architects of the attempted coup in january 2020 he's <laughs> one of the people who tried to convince mike pence to throw out the electoral votes and yeah, declare I, a dictator I, i'm familiar yeah. with mr eastman Benedict, you do recall we have an audience who may not be familiar with all of these facts, which is That's why I true. try and explain them sure. occasionally. Uh, well, in Pence's letter on January 6th, where he was saying he wouldn't do what they wanted him to, he name-dropped J. Michael Luddig. He name-dropped him, which is I very was interesting like, to me. J. Michael Luddig would be ashamed of you? Or yeah, like, like, but like, like you know, uh, I, I, I didn't go and look at what the letter said as far as Luddig, uh, but yeah, like positively dropped J. Michael Luddig, like... You know, as far as I, this is not legal, what you're asking me to do, and here's why, uh, citing to something that uh, Luddig had written. Uh, and then in June 2022, Luddig testified. That's so embarrassing when someone is, is like, your mentor would be yeah. fucking ashamed of you. Like, yeah. oh. I well, would... Again, Benedict, the eternal cuck. The yeah. true name of this episode, regardless of what Benedict makes me na- well, make that, the actual that, title. That's not about Ted Cruz, though. That's about Eastman, No, right? but Ted Cruz, as we know, was also part of the January 6, 2020 coup attempt and also clerked for, for Luddig. And as I'm about to explain to you, Benedict, in June 2022, Luddig testified before the January 6th committee saying, quote, Donald Trump and his allies and supporters are a clear and present danger to American democracy. They would attempt to overturn that 2024 election in the same way that they attempted to overturn the 2020 election, but succeed in 2024 where they failed in 2020. I didn't speak those words lightly. I would have never spoken those words ever in my life, except that that's what the former president and his allies are telling us. And he also, of course, he published a report refuting claims of fraud in the 2020 election uh, later in 2022. Cool. And as we obviously know, Benedict, 
as I said, Ted was part of the attempted coup on January 6th. So I think, I don't know if Luddig ever name dropped Ted by name. I didn't find it when I tried to Google Ted Luddig. You know, it was a bunch of articles about how he clerked for him. Uh, but uh, I think he's obviously, uh, he's subtweeting him. Uh, mm-hmm. J. Michael Luddig is He's doing the law version of subtweeting him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, following the Luddig clerkship, uh, he clerked for Justice William Rehnquist on the Supreme Court of the United States, another place where only the finest of sociopaths go to network. Uh, and then following all of his clerkships, Benedict, the real, the real trifecta, he went to work for the George W. Bush administration yep. <clears throat> as a domestic policy advisor on, I'm sure, topics like how to look bad in everything you wear and how to increase the number of terrible barbers in every town, like you know, the real priorities we have. Uh, but after Ted and others helped steal the 2020, uh, the 20, <laughs> the 2000 election, well, sorry, failed to steal the 2020 election, failed to steal 2020. Let's be, let's be fair, Benedict. 2020 was not the first election Ted helped to try to steal. Yeah. He was just successful the first time. Uh, but after that, when he was a uh, part of the uh, events around the 2000 election, he was made an associate deputy U.S. attorney general. Uh, that sounds did- like a Steven Seagal title. Like that sounds like a, that's something Steven Seagal might like, be an honorary version of. Deputy to the associate deputy yeah. U.S. general. Yeah, uh, it didn't last long though because in 2003 he was appointed by fascist popsicle Greg Abbott to be Texas's solicitor general. So uh, let's talk a little bit about a couple cases he handled while he was there. Okay. Uh, his first case before the Supreme Court while he was the Texas solicitor general was Texas v. Leave It where Ted went to court to argue that Texas should not have to follow a consent decree, which is a settlement that Texas had agreed to with a group of mothers who had sued, arguing that Texas hadn't been covering its end of the bargain on Medicaid payments. Cruz went to court and argued that enforcing the consent decree, which again, Texas had agreed to as part of the conditions for them dismissing their lawsuit, this was a settlement, he went and argued that if they were forced to follow the agreement they entered into, it would violate the 11th Amendment. He lost that one 9-0 to at the Supreme Court. <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, well, honestly, fuck off. Like, uh, that's such a, like... Horseshit. This is why lawyers have bad reputations. Yep. Just- Ted is why. Ted is why. Yep. Uh, in 2003, he defended Texas's redistricting, redistricting maps before the Supreme Court, uh, the oral arguments of which drew this comment from Anthony Kennedy, who said, quote, Do you want this court to say that it's constitutionally permissible to take away a number of minority voters from the district, but leave just enough so that it looks like a minority? Is that a (laughs) permissible use of race? Was Ted Cruz's response not on the record, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Kennedy finished saying, it seems to me that's an affront and an insult. Uh, is how Kennedy it, it certainly is. finished that. Uh, in 2005, Ted won the case Van Orden v. Perry, which allowed a Ten Commandments monument to remain on the Texas state capitol grounds. Not surprising, since that's been an obsession of the religious right, which Truz is definitely a member of. Uh, he wrote an amicus brief on behalf of states in Elk Grove Unified School District v. Newdow in 2004. And fun fact... Elk Grove is a suburb of Sacramento, where I grew up, uh, and I remember this case distinctly. Oh, fun. (laughs) It was about the constitutionality of forcing public school students to recite uh, the under God part of the Pledge Mm. of Allegiance. Were you Um, yelling it at this point in your life? Yes, I would have been. And this case is part of the reason why, like, people yell the under God part. Because they're pissy little bitches who are mad 
that people want to have freedom. Mm, yeah, to that's not why say it. Yeah, um, that case eventually uh, they ruled again. Basically, the court said it's all moot. Uh, this parent who sued didn't have standing because they weren't custodial. They didn't have custody of the child. Uh, they were divorced and they were just suing because they didn't want this thing to happen. Um, then, in Dretke v. Haley in 2004, uh, Michael Wayne Haley had been arrested for stealing a calculator from a Walmart in 1997. And because of Texas's draconian piece-of-shit habitual offender law, he was sentenced to 16 years in prison for, again, Benedict, stealing That's a calculator. Too many. Is that like a three strikes and you're out law? It's, yes, or, it's something like that. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, however, he raised ineffective assistance of counsel claims because his court-appointed attorney in the calculator trial had not noticed that one of his convictions had not been finalized yet, mm. which meant he wouldn't have been eligible under the habitual offender law for this draconian sentence. So, of course, Ted... I, I, I know it's not a time to be joking, but I do have in my head that the attorney was trying to do... Like, as soon as you said... Trying to do the math in his head? No, just, no, just trying, to, trying to, like, do the argument, but only with words that you can spell with numbers on a calculator. <laughs> just... Boob. <laughs> Honestly, boob a and ass. For Ted Cruz, the entire yeah. argument is just boob and ass. That's all you can say. <laughs> you just imagine, just like every time Ted Cruz makes an argument, ass, just ass, <laughs> or boob. This guy's a boob. Your Honor, this guy yeah. is a boob. <laughs> anyway, uh, I could see how that would be an effective assistance of counsel. <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, Ted, of course, was opposed to this person being released from prison uh thankfully ted lost that case uh and uh haley was sentenced to time served um and according to the atlantic uh it's and i will link an article so lame to be the guy that's like i want people to stay in jail longer for non-violent offenses yeah like fuck off yeah it's bullshit um and it's it's not the first and not the last time that ted has been has made those arguments um according to the atlantic though most of ted's career as solicitor general involved defending Severe and harsh criminal punishments before the Supreme Court, which tracks with Ted, before the Texas Supreme Court, right? Sure. The easy answer is lock them up, and Ted always goes for an easy answer. Uh, but after leaving the Solicitor General job in 2008, Ted joined the firm uh, Morgan Lewis, uh, just your, your average big law firm, where he represented, uh, for example, Pfizer against claims that they were overcharging. Uh, wow. He, Ted Ted Cruz is in Pfizer's pocket. Is that what you're yep, telling me? Yep, yep. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah, exactly what I mean. And my name is Glenn Beck. Uh, he lost a $26 million appeal of a tire manufacturer's trade secrets case, uh, represented another pharmaceutical company that had been found guilty of firing an employee who had refused to violate the law. Um, th that's why she was fired. Uh, right. and, uh, and Toyota, where he again lost. Uh, it seems to me, based on Ted's legal career, that his only real skill is in presenting far-right arguments to courts he generally knows are going to rule his way just on ideological grounds. That yeah. seems to be the only real skill he has as a lawyer. But it, it, it doesn't, I, there should be like a leaderboard of lawyers. Of like a leaderboard? Yeah, <laughs> where you can rank people by their, by their history and see if they're good or not. Like I oh, know fuck, people man. lose big cases, but there should be like some kind of weighting of like, okay, you I know, argued and won before the Supreme Court. I get 10 points for that. <laughs> I argued and won before a state Supreme Court. That's seven points. Oh man. And I then we can have, have a fantasy small... draft. We can have yeah. a fantasy lawyer draft. Yeah. Exactly. I lost in small claims court. That's <laughs> minus 10 points. That's like, that's a huge loss for me. 
<laughs> Man, I I really need Smith to have a judgment over five million, or I'm just yeah. not I'm not gonna make it this week. It's yeah, really- you could do little side bets. It'd be great. <laughs> I think that's we should we should do that. I think we should set that up. I think there's a gap in the market. <laughs> And I really I think, so. I really want to trade. I actually, you I think Morgan Law, Lewis for White and Case. Uh, it's really, it's really the, the trade. I think I want Big to make. Law would pay a decent subscription fee for that. <laughs> Honestly, for them trying to poach lawyers from other firms, they'd be like, "You oh, might this, be correct." I, you might listen, be. if everything else burns, we can sell that to Big Law, like <laughs> for sure. But. It does seem uh, that Ted got bored uh, being an attorney, or more likely, I think, swept up in the insanity of the Tea Party movement around 2010 after Obama's election, and got it in his head, wrongly, that he should run for office. And Ted was, as I said, the Tea Party candidate. And we haven't done an episode on the Tea Party, but... Not yet, but we will. we will, of course. But for our non-American listeners, uh, the Tea Party was the name given to a partially astroturf movement funded by the Koch brothers and others in the wake of Obama's election, predicated basically on channeling the racism of the conservative right into a political into a voting more block. legitimate political yeah legitimate what the word you want to use i don't know uh, into I think a it's voting more block. legitimate than i'm a racist <laughs> but you know because it was coke funded it was a pseudo libertarian styled movement uh that's where the, the kirk go read Dar- i'll just say go read dark money it's a great book everyone should read dark money uh check it out uh the coke brothers are insane libertarian weirdos uh, and also fascists, fun times. But it was because of the Tea Party that we got this sort of first wave of l'enfant terrible figures on the right. Mm. Um, I don't know if it had something to do with the really heavy-handed touch of that pseudo-libertarianism that was part of the Tea Party movement. But this was around the same time that like Ben Shapiro came into prominence, Marco Rubio, Kevin McCarthy, Paul Ryan. You remember the whole Young Guns thing and all that? I just remember Paul Ryan... I, and I don't know, I like, at, at he this did his point, P90X, I yeah. I just, I don't even know if it's a real photo that I have in my head anymore. Are you thinking of the shirtless photo? The one, not the shirtless one, but the one okay. in like a tank top with the, uh, with like a, like a bicep curl happening. I, like, that's a real photo, Ben. I, I remember that photo. I have a very image it. of that in my head, but you could tell me it was AI and I would believe it. Like, <laughs> 100% real. I, I remember that photo. Although I thought he was shirtless in it. I don't remember a tank top. I no, I think it was a gray tank top and like a backwards baseball cap. But I'm gonna look yeah, at it now. God, that sounds so familiar. That sounds so outrageously familiar. <laughs> yeah, I think you might have you might have nailed it. Uh, but so yeah, yeah, this whole it's thing. not a tank top. It's a gray tee, <laughs> but okay. it is that. Okay, but oh yeah, my so- God, this is such a funny photo. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't look. Here's the thing. Normally, oh, when God. someone like tries to highlight that they're all in shape, like. They have like a bunch of muscle definition, and he just looks like no. You know, I'll tell you uh, what he—he he looks has, like a middle-aged guy who jogs. He, he looks some, fine. He has some muscle definition in his biceps. I will give him that. I don't know. I could tell you once again. I could definitely beat up Paul Ryan. I have no doubt in my mind about that. Uh, I I have him beat by a hundred pounds, Benedict. I have no doubt I could beat up Paul Ryan. You do, but hold on. <laughs> I, I need I need you to see this photo and react to it live on air, please. Really? Because, Are you gonna screen share it to me? Uh, I no, because my computer won't let me. But that's fine. Okay. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna message it to you in our Google our Google chat, and then you can open it, please. Fine. Um, I will I will look at it. Uh, Benedict, we are we are. We are we're, we are fifty minutes into this episode, and we're only on page five of my notes. All right. How many well, how me, many pages do you have? 
I only have nine pages this week. Okay, okay? quickly, go, 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 yeah. go. Uh, We're not so doing any videos. We're not going to have time. We are going to be doing videos. I'm sorry. Well, then but you have to skip it the just so happened, introduction. It just so happened that in 2012, the incumbent sec- senator from Texas, Kay Bailey Hutchinson, uh, decided not to seek another turn and to run for governor instead. So Ted, as it turns out, actually came in second in the Republican primary. But because there was no candidate who got over 50% of the vote, it went to a runoff, which he ended up winning 58% to 43 against Texas Lieutenant Governor David DeWurst. Which just, he's, he's DeWurst. What can I was say Was David, him? in fact, DeWurst? <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, we know he went on to win the general election with 56% of the vote and got to become the most hated man in the Senate. And I do mean the most hated man in the Senate. There is no denying that. Famously, yeah, even- wasn't it Lindsey Graham or was it Lindsey Graham that, that said you could like you could kill Ted Cruz in the middle of the Senate floor and no one would vote? To I don't remember. Wh- I don't like have that? that one in my notes. I don't remember who it was that said that. I have another one that is similar in my notes. Okay. Uh, but everyone on his own side of the aisle fucking hates Ted. Everyone hates Ted, including former Speaker of the House John Boehner, who was Speaker in 2012 when Ted joined the Senate. Uh, And more importantly, in 2013, when Ted was instrumental in organizing the 2013 U.S. government shutdown, when he filibustered a uh, spending bill and famously, I guess, red green eggs and ham on the Senate floor. Uh, And all that got Ted a ton of support, right? The 2013 shutdown, hugely unpopular among people with brains, but among a large portion of the right— hugely popular right mm. because because it's all it, it's entirely about rhetoric they aren't concerned with actual things being done or happening they're concerned with the rhetoric yeah uh, and that includes of course a bunch of astroturfed right-wing foundations and think tanks and whatnot that exist solely to destroy government in any way possible so of course they were thrilled about it uh, but among his colleagues were incredibly damaged by just the fucking farce that was the shutdown and probably very salty that Ted became the face of it. Um, it was strike one in a long run of Ted just fucking over everyone to get whatever he wants, which is probably why in 2016, while he was speaking at Stanford University, John Boehner referred to him as, quote, Lucifer in the flesh. Continuing. <laughs> I, I, was Ted Cruz a Satanist? <laughs> Oh, sorry. Ted Cruz era satanista. <laughs> Continuing, I have Democrat friends and Republican friends. I get along with almost everyone, but I have never worked with a more miserable son of a bitch in my life. <laughs> so, Sister Greg, look, you don't have to hand it to John Boehner, but that quote, pretty good. It's a pretty good one. Uh, Jonathan Martin uh, reported another incident in the New York Times connected to the shutdown. Uh, a group closely aligned with Ted, which was named the Senate Conservatives Fund, sent out mail like pamphlets or something attacking 25 Republican senators uh, for their vote on a procedural motion that they said was in support of the ACA. Um, you know, that's the whole thing. They all hated Obamacare uh, and wanted to get rid of it. And there was just like this tiny procedural issue these people voted positively on. And this group said, no, that's supporting the ACA. Uh, and the Times piece says, quote, And on Wednesday at a private luncheon, several Senate Republicans, Dan Coats of Indiana, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, and Kelly Iota of New Hampshire, assailed Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, who has led the movement to block funding for the health law. Miss Iote was especially furious, according to two people present, and waved a printout from a conservative group friendly to Mr. Cruz, attacking 25 of his fellow Republican senators for supporting a procedural vote that the group counted as support of the health law. 
Miss Iote asked Mr. Cruz to disavow the group's effort and demanded he explain his strategy. When he did not, Ted several has never other explained senators, a strategy. He's never had a strategy for anything in his goddamn life. Well, I think he does have a strategy. The only thing is that the goal is not like, you know, promoting Republican ideals or whatever. It's promoting himself. Mm-hmm. It's promoting Ted Cruz. That sure. seems to be what he's he's really about there. All that mattered with him for the shutdown was that he got attention. He knows his tactics are going to fail, but that they'll get that sweet, sweet attention. He doesn't really care like that it led to the lowest approval rating for the GOP in decades. Although, I do have to say, obviously, it didn't do enough damage, given where we are. Uh, mm-hmm. But Ted, Ted and people around him do realize that, right? Uh, in uh, the Atlantic piece, I think I referenced the Molly Ball piece in the Atlantic, uh, she talked to Ted Cruz's former communications chief and wrote this about it. Quote, but what about the, uh, the criticism that Cruz's efforts haven't gotten any results? The Cruz camp didn't reply to my query, so I put the question to Amanda Carpenter, who was Cruz's communications director during much of his time in the Senate, including the shutdown. She's now an independent commentator. What has he really achieved in terms of policy with his disruptive tactics? Tactics. Carpenter said Cruz had sent a message. Messaging is hugely important, she told me. We have to show people that there is an alternative to the failing Democratic agenda. And a lot of times that means just trying to stop things. Cruz has shown that one person can make a difference. How? Sure. What did he accomplish? Don't bother worrying about it. He's sending a message. Uh, Mike Lee, piece of shit from Utah, is also, according to Molly Ball in that Atlantic piece, um, Ted's only friend in the Senate. Literal only friend in the Senate. And even Mike Lee refused to endorse Ted's presidential campaign in 2016 until March of election year, well into primary season, which might have something to do with Ted opposing and lying about Mike Lee's 2013 criminal justice reform bill, uh, which Ted claimed would release violent offenders onto the streets when it did no such thing and wasn't they a love very to good bill that. anyways. Yeah, yeah. But uh, just lying about your, your good buddies. Uh, bill on the floor of the Senate, not likely not to... Not going to make you a likable chap. Not going to, right? In fact, out of the entire 50-ish Republican senators in 2016, I can't remember how many there were exactly, 50-ish, right? Only six of them endorsed Ted. And four of those only endorsed them after Marco Rubio dropped out because they were because Marco was their first endorsement and they needed a second. That's really, really fucking sad. Yeah, man. it is sad. Uh, In 2016, Representative Peter King told the Washington Post uh, what is, in retrospect, one of the dumbest things imaginable, but also hilariously shows how much everyone hates Ted. He said, quote, between Trump and Cruz, it's not even close. Representative Peter King of New York told the Washington Post yesterday, Cruz isn't a good guy and he'd be impossible as president. People don't people don't trust him. And regardless of what your concern is with Trump, he's pragmatic enough to get something done. I don't know not to be true, but I also don't see malice in Trump like I see with Cruz. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Is that not great? Uh, John McCain called him a wacko bird when he tried to filibuster the CIA director nomination. Cool. Um, and it is obviously, it's not just senators or even Republicans who hate Ted. Uh, Ted is famously a huge fan of science fiction and fantasy. Of course, we know he loves Atlas Shrugged. Big fantasy there. That's it. He, that's the only one. 
And he likes to quote Star Wars, Star Trek, and his favorite movie of all time, The Princess Bride. <laughs> but again, because he's a massive cuck, all of his heroes fucking hate him. Uh, Carrie Elwes, whose name I've never been able to pronounce and never learned how, uh, but Dread Pirate Roberts of The Princess Bride, one of Ted's, obviously, his favorite movie, um, once quote tweeted a uh, clip from Ted's podcast where Ted was just saying some stupid shit about environmentalists always being the bad guys in movies, right? It's it's the Thanos thing that you hear like fucking um, uh, Beanie Boy bring up and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, but uh, he the quote tweet said, quote, at Ted Cruz, how does it feel to know that not only the entire cast and crew of your favorite movie, The Princess Bride, but almost the whole entertainment industry have nothing but rabid contempt for you? Hashtag inconceivable. <laughs> I think not. You miserable rouse. Which for non-Princess Bride fans, uh, rat of unusual size. Uh, Mark Rodin, Hamill. Rodent, Rodent. Ro- sorry, Rodin. Size. You're right, you're right. Um, Mark Hamill, Daisy Ridley, Pedro Pascal, all regularly shit on him. Uh, just, it's, he's constantly getting shit on. Are we getting notes? Are we getting notes right now? No. Okay, fine. I just saw your wife walk into the room and whisper in your ear. No, she just got home. Okay, fine. Hi. Fine. She didn't say hi to me, so I'm very upset about it. I, I really but feel she like... Says, see, she now she's hi. waving. Now yeah, she's waving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, the list of funny things said by people who ta- hate Ted Cruz is a mile long. But, Benedict, I hear you asking, what has the man actually accomplished? And the mm. answer to that is generally just chaos. Uh, but as I always shutdowns. do... Government shutdowns. Yes, yes. As I always do with elected representatives, I go look at their legislative record. Uh, the very first bill Ted ever sponsored was on September 12, 2013, titled A Resolution to Express the Sense of the Senate that Congress Should Establish a Joint Select Committee to Investigate and Report on the Attack on the United States Diplomatic Facility and American Personnel in... Benghazi! Yeah! You got it, baby! Yeah. You got it, Benghazi. Before that, he hadn't sponsored any bills, just amendments. Cool. Uh, the, the first one being the 2013 shutdown, def- defund the Affordable Care Act thing when he instigated the yep. shutdown. Uh, other examples of things he filed in his early years, um, the Obamacare Repeal Act, uh, a bill to prohibit the use of drones to kill citizens of the United States within the United States, which oh. was already illegal. Okay, did, yeah. Did not need still, a law for I mean, that. yeah. Sure, but it's still a good thing to have on the record. Fine. Uh, A version of the State Defense of Marriage Act, because also he's a bigot, we know that. Uh, And the only one that actually became law in his early years, a bill to deny admission to the United States to any representative to the United Nations who has been found to have engaged in espionage activities or a terrorist activity against the United States and poses a threat to the United States national security interests. That's the kind of boring fucking shit he's he's filing there. Cool. Um, Love that. And, and what's really stunning to me is that even during the first two years of Trump's turn, when Republicans had complete control, the only bill he sponsored that was passed was a NASA appropriations bill. And it's like, it's surprising because Ted, his, his fucking brand is, I'm the smart law boy. Just like yeah. Josh Hawley coming, obviously, a few years later. I'm the smart law boy. I'm the one. You should. I should be doing all the law stuff. But really, like I said, his only real legal talent is in pushing shit that he knows right-wing judges are just going to hand him because it's what they already wanted to do anyways. So, you know, we talked about he ran in 2016. Two years into his term as a senator, when he announced in uh, 20, it would have been 2015, I believe. Yeah. 
uh, feels like he's been around a lot longer, doesn't it? He, yeah. It feels like he's an eternal chaos beast but who's been with us for the dawn of time. probably didn't really start engaging with American politics until about <laughs> 2012, so it just feels like he's just been there. Forever. He's just a permanent fucking fixture at this point. It's really fucking weird. Uh, but, you know, uh, despite being cucked by the entire Senate, he did decide to run in 2016. It was fairly obvious he was going to. He had been doing, you know, uh, speaking tours and all this. Uh, and he also gave a response to Obama's 2014 State of the Union address in possibly the weirdest choice I could imagine, doing it in a busy hallway, I think immediately outside of the chamber, on what I have to assume is a Nokia flip phone. And I'm just going to play like a minute of that for you right now, because it's very strange. Okay, let's go. Well, we just walked off the House floor. President Obama finished his State of the Union address. There was a whole lot of standing, a whole lot of sitting, a whole lot of applauding. And yet there were a number of things we didn't hear tonight. For it. Yeah, your fucking audio, because you're recording in a goddamn hallway, Ted. <laughs> Number one, we didn't hear anything from President Obama acknowledging that five years of the Obama agenda have not worked and it produced the lowest labor force participation since 1978. Millions of Americans. So it doesn't really need to be pointed out that uh, by the time the, the Obama, Republicans crashed the economy. Yeah, no, yeah, the, the uh, epo- economy was in free fall by the time Obama took over, and then the unemployment rate steadily decreased throughout his entire term. Shouldn't really need to be pointed out, but I guess Ted needs that pointed out to him. Uh, so of course, Ted had an early lead in the 2016 uh, primaries by winning the Iowa caucuses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was all pretty much downhill from there in the bad sense of that phrase, not in the good sense of that phrase. We all know how it turned out in the end, but Ted ended up winning 12 state primaries. Uh, but you know, it does have to be said it was the Trump show. It was the Trump show in 2016. Yeah. We, we all know Trump and Ted did not exactly get along. They, they had their jabs at each other on debates and whatnot. And, I'm sure we're going to be playing. Didn't Ted, didn't Trump call his wife ugly like on stage? Yes, yes he yeah. did. Yes he did. We're going to be playing Again, plenty. All of these are like fever dreams to me. Yeah. I couldn't tell you which ones are true and which ones aren't. What I love particularly with Ted is I'm going to have no shortage of audio clips to play before we start each chapter this time around because mm-hmm. I'm going to be pulling all that stuff out. It's going to be great. It's going to be really easy for me. Uh, but you know, there's there's two clips I think that best epitomize the Ted Cruz candidacy and the Ted Cruz being, if you will. The first mm-hmm. being this one right here. Damn. I'm going to do something I haven't done for the entire campaign, for those of y'all who have traveled with me all across the country. I'm going to tell you what I really think of Donald Trump. Oh, good. Tough guy. Tough, tough guy talk. I can't okay. do a good Ted Cruz. I, I tried to it's practice too... just sitting around. Okay. It's very nasally. And I'm I'm gonna tell, but I when I try to do that nasally, I just the voice is way off. I can't. do Yeah. It. Okay. I'll practice. This man is a pathological liar. This man is a pathological liar. He doesn't know the difference. This man is a pathological liar. No. That's the best I can do. Just not great. Between truth and lies, he lies. Practically every word that comes out of his mouth. I mean, not a bad diagnosis. <laughs> not at all. And. I mean, also a diagnosis of Ted Cruz, but hey, here we are. Look, self-awareness, <laughs> healing starts with self-awareness. <laughs> Ted Cruz, know thyself, yes. In a pattern that I think is straight out of a psychology textbook, 
his response is to accuse everybody else of lying. He accuses everybody on that debate stage of lying. And it's simply a mindless yell. Whatever he does, he accuses everyone else of doing. The man ca cannot tell the truth, but he combines it with being a narcissist. A narcissist at a level I don't think this country's ever seen. Are you trying to make Ted Cruz look good? Because I think like this is this is all this is all bars from. Don't Rafa. worry, Benedict. It turfs out hard. Okay, good. Donald Trump is such a narcissist that Barack Obama looks at him and goes, "Dude, what's your problem?" Okay. Ooh, funny joke, Ted. <laughs> Got him. I 100% think that Ted expected the reporters to like laugh. Or give him a response and he gets nothing. It is dead silence from the reporters throughout that entire thing. And I love it. But, Benedict, the second and more revealing clip, particularly after what we just heard, and I am absolutely not the first person to show these clips in this order, but, you know, it, it makes sense when you hear it. This one, I think, the far more revealing of the two. Hi, this is Ted Cruz calling. Uh, I was calling to encourage you to come out and vote on election day. Uh, this election is critical for the direction of our country, and I urge you to come out and, and support freedom, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. Uh, you can vote by absentee ballot, and if you need help getting an application for an absentee ballot, the Republican Party of Texas can help you with that. Or you can vote in person. But I just wanted to encourage you to come out and vote. Thank you, and God bless you. Sitting in front of just rows of Trump pent signs behind him. Amazing. Yep. Ted Cruz. Uh, man in the phone bank. That's a little cucky. I will I'll give you that. He got cucked so fucking hard. You can't even deny that. You can't deny any of it. So, Benedict, we haven't went we're on our final page of notes here, I promise okay. you. Uh, we haven't talked a ton about Ted's political beliefs to the extent he has any, right? He's really a fucking Well, we're gonna hear about them in Unwoke, how well, to we defeat are. cultural and Marxism in America. We are. We're going to hear about them there, but I do want to just give a, a brief overview of a couple okay. of things, uh, you know, and I do want to make note, as I mentioned earlier, the sort of pseudo-libertarianism that Ted and his cohort came up in around the time of 2010, 2012. That's where they developed this crock of bullshit that they spout all the time. Uh, so keep in mind, that's the framework Ted's working with, that pseudo-libertarian bullshit. But I do mm -hmm. want to touch on a few of his actual uh, positions. So obviously he's a Christian fascist who wants to ban abortions nationwide. Uh, he supported weird little freak Kim Davis, uh, the county clerk in Kentucky, yep, who remember refused her. to issue a marriage license to a same-sex couple. Yeah, uh, He's a climate change denier about whom California's former Governor Jerry Brown once said, quote, that man betokens such a level of ignorance and direct falsification of the existing scientific data, it's shocking. And I think that man has rendered himself absolutely unfit to be running for office. Just, just a nice, nice little, little phrase, nice little thing he said there. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. he's in a, he is a believer, it appears, in, and you're going to love this one, the Agenda 21 conspiracy theory, <sighs> which we've heard about. From Alex Jones, Glenn yeah. Beck, and others. Uh, in a blog post that I can't find, I can only find articles writing about it, uh, he said uh, that Agenda 21 seeks to abolish golf courses, grazing pastures, and paved roads. And he also said that George Soros was behind it all, which is probably something he just stole straight from Glenn Beck. That's, that's straight from Glenn Beck, for sure. Yeah. And of course, he opposes federal aid for natural disasters on principle 
which is, I'm sure is why in 2013 he voted against aid to the Northeast after Hurricane Sandy, and also why, I'm sure, somehow in 2015 he begged the federal government for aid in Texas after some massive flooding. And what about why the blizzard? Yeah. In, what, and why in 2017 uh, he asked for federal support during Hurricane Harvey, and why after the Texas freezes um, he fled and went to Cancun and pretended that that never happened and doesn't want you to talk about it ever again. Don't don't talk about the Cancun thing. That was that was not the seven different lies he's told us were the reason why that happened. Uh, no, just pay no attention to it. Or maybe here's another idea. Maybe he's just a sick little freak who wants to see his enemies suffer. Maybe that's it. I have a feeling that might could be that. Yeah, that seems right. But Benedict, to bring us to a close today, I think the last place worth looking is, of course, the 2020 election and his role in it. Mm-hmm. Of course. Being a good little cuck, Ted also supported Trump in 2020. Uh, And that means, of course, going along with every word of bullshit, just like a good little toady does. So when Trump lost, Ted was right there, ready to jump in and add his prestige? Question mark? To yeah, the his weight, his bulk, his <laughs> bulk, not, his yeah. bulk. That's the word to use yeah. uh, to the effort to install an unelected mm-hmm. dictator. And make no mistake, right? Ted is a dumb. Not in a fat shaming way, just in no. a you know, just no, a, just in a he's a piece of shit way. Yeah. Uh, in, in the fact that most of his body is waste, in that he is a waste <laughs> of skin. So yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. But uh, so he, you know, I was saying, Ted is a dumbass, but Ted is too smart to have actually believed any of the bullshit fraud claims that were being thrown around. So Mm -hmm. his actions should be, and are by me, given the absolute worst interpretation possible, that he knew Trump lost, but actively worked to install him as a president anyway. If that meant hanging every Democrat from the Capitol rafters, I honestly doubt he would have done anything to stop it or have pretended to be ashamed about it more than a week. I, I really don't think so. But... Ted was, of course, one of the senators who asked the Supreme Court to install Trump as a dictator by having Clarence Thomas drool out an opinion on the lawsuit filed by Representative Mike Kelly, which is the one from Pennsylvania that sought to reject the Pennsylvania results. Mm -hmm. He also agreed to argue the case that was filed by Ken Ken Paxton, the possibly criminal Texas attorney general, before the Supreme Court, if it ever got there. Uh, That was the one that sought to overturn the electoral results of four states None of which were Texas. It seems like course. a standing problem, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we all know, of course, that on January 6, 2021, Ted was one of the GOP senators who objected to the results and notably objected after the insurrection had taken place. Yeah. Like the real shitbag he is. And as, as did most of them, right? I mean, I, Hawley certainly was off there. I don't remember whether there was one or two objections before the insurrection and then... I don't remember how many there were before or after, but uh, we've said it before. You and I stayed up that entire night just texting each other as this shit was going out. And I was literally, you know, half a mile from the Capitol, sitting Mm -hmm. there with my window opening, listening to shit. Um, Bizarre day. Can't wait to do an episode about it eventually. But as I said, Ted did pretend to be upset about the insurrection longer than most Republicans did, despite obviously voting against, you know, investigating the insurrection. Mm. Uh, but on the anniversary of January 6, 2022, he was, of course, recorded on video calling it a violent terrorist attack, which by Antifa no. caused Tucker Carlson to call him to the principal's office. So 
so that he could watch while Tucker fucked his wife. I mean, apologize on TV for calling the fascists the bad guys in this clip right here. So we played this tape for you last night. We were surprised by it. We prefaced it by saying, okay, I say this every time we play fucking Tucker, the constant use of we is just, God, it makes me want to punch him in the mouth every time. Yeah. <laughs> every conservative appreciates Ted Cruz because he's one of the smartest and most articulate people in the Congress and he's conservative, but he referred. Okay, that's just, and, and he's conservative. conservative that I was guess, like grasping yeah. for another compliment to give. <laughs> I love that. He's smart. Publicly. He's right wing, I guess. <laughs> to what happened on January 6th is quite a violent terror attack. Here it is. Uh, we are approaching a solemn anniversary this week, uh, and it is an anniversary of a violent terrorist attack on the Capitol where we saw the men and women of law enforcement demonstrate incredible courage, incredible bravery, uh, risk their lives uh, to defend the men and women who serve in this Capitol. Senator Cruz was game enough to come on tonight. We appreciate that. He joins us now. Is he going to continue so backing the blue? Up. No, I don't think so. <laughs> we'll see. On. So I guess what I, I mean, there are a lot of dumb... By the way, this is during, if you remember, Ted Cruz's, like, shitty Wolverine phase. Yep, when he was yep. He was still trying to, like, shave the chops and get that form going. It, it just yep. doesn't work. People in the Congress, you're not one of them. I think you're smarter than I am. Uh, and you never use words carelessly um really yeah. really tucker have you seen the man speak and yet you called this a terror attack when by no definition was it a terror attack that's a lie you told that lie on purpose and i'm wondering why you did wow that's strong journalism from tucker <laughs> i'm just oh boy the fact that ted came on knowing knowing he would admonished. get fucked this yeah. hard knowing this would happen is so fucking sad well, Tucker, thank you for having me on. When you aired your episode last night, I, I sent you a text shortly thereafter and said, listen, I'd like to go on because the oh, way this I... Is be, my because choice. you I'd are like the to, true yeah, yeah, ruler yeah. of the Republican Party and because I have to do what you say or I will be killed by the people who erected a gallows outside of the Capitol on January 6th. Yes. Phrase things yesterday. It, it was sloppy and, and it was frankly dumb. And, I don't and buy that. Result, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, I don't well, buy that. For, look, I've known you a long time since before you went to the Senate. You were a Supreme Court contender. You take words. Oh, yeah, that's no, something I left out of his bio no. is that he was, no, on the he, short, he was on the short list to be appointed to the Supreme Court by Donald Trump. Yes, he cool. was. He actually was. How fucking insane. That wasn't before he went to the Senate, though. So. I, no, it wasn't. You're right. But, Benedict, so, yes, uh, all that'll be in the show notes. If you want to watch Ted just get fucked for seven minutes in front of a mm. national audience, you can go watch that. But Benedict, to close off the show today, there is something about Ted far more important than anything political. And a few weeks ago, I so badly wanted to spoil what I'm about to present to you. I almost did it on the air then, but I managed not to. Okay. And I have to give credit for this discovery to YouTuber Jose, who I've recommended in the past. He has some really fantastic videos. But in one of his most recent videos, when he covered the Daily Wire Plus movie, Lady Ballers, it turns out that Ted Cruz has a cameo. Okay. And Jose, having watched, I presume, hours upon hours of Daily Wire Plus content, unearthed this absolute fucking gem that I'm about to play for you right now. Uh, and boy, I'm just going to play it. I'm just going to play it. The saddest cameo is the humorless Ted Cruz one. 
it's a complete drag and perhaps even more pathetic is that Ted Cruz in that moment was living his dream. Ted's living his dream, Benedict. He's living his dream. Wait for it here. Just play it. Ted has been itching for this all his life since he was doing high school yeah, drama right. and then somehow ended up in the United States Senate and also running for president. Yeah. What he actually wanted. Of course. This is, if he had gotten this when he was 20, he never would have been in politics. This wasn't Boring's first attempt to get Ted Cruz into a project either. Apparently, he approached Cruz for a role in the Pendragon cycle, but Cruz couldn't do it because he supposedly has a job in the Senate. Ted wanted to be an actor, Benedict. Why is it always <laughs> failed always Hollywood motherfuckers? You know why? It's because it's people that want attention. Like we were joking about being <laughs> wanting attention when we were kids at the start of the show. It This is the only way they were able to get attention. I genuinely <laughs> believe that. It's a, yeah, anyway. I love it. I love it. But Benedict, that is it. We are done. We have finished our introduction Good. to Ted Cruz. Um, I, I can see you looking very tired there. Uh, I am so. tired. It's been an hour and a half. <laughs> okay, to be fair, you were the one who sidetracked us for 20 minutes at the beginning of the show. That's it is true. not my fault entirely this time. But I think that was the most fun 20 minutes of the show. So. <laughs> what, you don't like learning about Ted Cruz? What I, do you got no, to Not really. Well, fine. Uh, but thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. Become a patron for as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons, Eric the Baker. Hey, Kevin, I became a member to say you are correct about Brennan Lee Mulligan, Brian Smith, Sam Walsh, Dan L., Teach Peace, Dr. Milminian Land Lilliam Swinwanley, The Ghost of Larry Nichols, Jacob Johnson, Dan Arizari. <laughs> it's webbing time! <laughs> oh, it's that. webbing time, Madam Webb. Uh... <laughs> I really do read these. I have not looked at them before I read them every time we do it. Uh, and sometimes people do get me. <laughs> New buildings are a globalist conspiracy. that's not conspiracy. your sign off at the end of the show, I quit. <laughs> New buildings are a globalist conspiracy. Bobo D. Bear, Chili, Madeline and Zachary Wilson-Fetro, Shadow Princess vs. the Raptor Wolves, Sean Sullivan, Lauren S., New Year, same old sad bastard. Oh, Benedict, what art thou, bright spot? Madam Webb, it's wedding time. <laughs> Flack Weasel, Sadie Sister Wednesday, Kieran Dackler. Join us next week when our guest will be the American kaiju, Paul Bunyan. Holy shit, he is an American kaiju. Uh -huh. He is. He's like 20 feet tall or something like that. And eats pancakes, as far as I know. Uh, Henry Lewis King Jr., Sarah Wolf, Aaron Burke, Megan A. Dooley, Clifton Stuckey, Paws, Arrestus Native, A Baby, Wah. Veronica Forker, Melissa C., George Saulnier, Tinker's Dam and Skell, Stefan, Matt Lieb's new show about certain propaganda is brilliantly funny and cathartic. Utah Outcast, Dave Barber, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, Bacaw, Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Jay Reynolds, Stephen, and Cindy Dibbick, Taru Takanan, and Balls Watterson. Thank you all as always for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, it's webbing time. Goodbye. <laughs>
The Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.